Well, we're going to read our passage for this morning, and it's found in Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 1 to 12. And Josie is going to read that to us uh, now. So do go and grab a Bible, open up on your phone uh, as we read it together. Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. And I'm going to hand over to Josie, who's going to read that to us now. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified and on the third day raised again. They then remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Well, thank you, Josie, for reading that to us. And shortly, Josh will come, and he will bring our message for us this morning. Hi there. Hey. Good morning. It's uh, it's very early in the morning, actually, for me. It's just gone 5.30 here in the Mills household. And and I've got up nice and early this morning, set my alarm, so I could get up before the sun rises. Now, just coming outside here. Let me turn the light on. Outside, you see, I'm hoping to be able to see the sunrise. It's a bit cloudy, but just over there, the sun should be coming up this morning at about about uh, 6:29, I think, is what it's forecast. And you see, it was on this day, on a, on a Sunday morning, in about 30 A.D., when when five women. They also got up at the crack of dawn, just before the sun rose. John tells us it was still dark outside. And these five women, they were walking around their homes. Uh, They were walking on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And they were going to a graveyard. Now, I don't know if they had an alarm to get them up in the morning. But they were up ready. They had bags full of spices in their hands. And they were going to prepare a dead body for burial. And so I wanted to try to recreate this morning what it might have felt like for for those women as they got up really early, the birds singing outside as I just heard, and they went to prepare Jesus for his burial. It's actually Friday for me here as as I'm recording this, uh, but it's very early. And 
it's quiet in our house at the moment still, and I hope it stays that way as I go through our passage with us this morning. And I'm really glad that you are able to join us here today, wherever you are in your homes. I hope you're safe, and I hope you're well. We go on praying for you all as a church, for those who are ill, those who are suffering among us. We pray for you regularly. Pray that you'd know God's peace and his comfort in these unusual days. Well, at Oak Hall Church, here every year, we, we set a verse for the whole year. We call it a vision verse. And, and actually, I've got our, our verse on our fridge. And if you remember, do you, do you remember what, what it was? Let's have a look at some here. Here's the card that we all had at the start of the year. And the card says, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speak about what we've seen and heard. This comes from a place in Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 20. And it was said by two men, Peter and John. Peter appears in our passage a bit later. The reason they said these things was that they had just healed a crippled man in the name of Jesus. And all the authorities, they didn't like what they saw. And so they asked these two disciples to stop speaking about Jesus. And they said that they couldn't help it. We saw a a man die by crucifixion, and three days later, he rose again. We cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. You see, the, the resurrection is perhaps the most controversial fact in all of history. It changes absolutely everything. And these women and our story and, and the disciples, they, they knew that. And they went around the world changing the communities that they lived in by telling people about this Jesus. And many of them, they ended up losing their lives for it. Today, nearly 2,000 years later, there are still people giving themselves in sacrificial service for the certainty of the resurrection. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you certain? Are you certain of the resurrection? Do you have their assurance? Are you absolutely sure that Jesus rose from the dead and that this is the most incredible news that the world has ever heard? And I'm convinced that this is true. There is Good evidence that a man called Jesus from Nazareth, who claimed to be the Son of God, he really did beat death early one Sunday morning, some nearly 2,000 years ago. But the people who appear in our passage today, Peter and the women, they didn't always have that sort of certainty. When the passage was read earlier. Did you notice the different words that described how they were feeling at the time? People were wondering what was going on around them. The women were frightened by the angels they saw. They were perplexed, full of wonder and bewilderment at what what had just taken place. Not only were they afraid, some of them 
when they were heard, when they were told the news, they, they thought it was nonsense. And yet here we are today, this global church of over two billion people apparently, who live their lives following a man called Jesus, a man who once was dead, was buried in the ground, and yet three days later he came alive again. Are you certain you know the risen Jesus? This passage in my Bible, it has the heading, The Resurrection. But do you know what's curious about the passage? Is that Jesus doesn't actually appear in our little reading. But who we do meet are two angels. And they ask a very strange question to these women who, who came to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And you can see the strange question in verse 5. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now what's strange about that? Well, it's an odd question, because the women weren't looking for the living. They were looking for a corpse. They had come to bury Jesus' body with, with perfumes, with spices. But it turns out that these women, they weren't actually even looking for the right thing at all. They weren't even looking in the right place. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And that's got me thinking today. Would we ever make the same mistake? You know, get up early, go to a lot of effort, get everything ready for the day's mission ahead of you, only to find that your whole plan was wrong in the first place. Like there's an old joke of a, a tourist who got lost in the outback of Australia, trying to find his way back to the city. He's walking and wandering everywhere, and he, he gives up in desperation, and, and he asks the local. He looks this way, he looks that, and he has a good hard think about how he could give him directions back to the city. And he just says to the tourist, well, if I were you, I wouldn't start here. You see, the women in our passion, they were looking for the wrong thing. They, they shouldn't have been looking for the living among the dead, but they weren't even looking for the living in the first place. What were they looking for? They were looking for a corpse. A dead body to bury. What are you looking for this morning? Are you looking for the right thing? Many people right now around the world, they're trying to find a cure, aren't they, for coronavirus. May God help them. Some of us are just looking for a delivery slot at Tesco's to get some food from the supermarket. Some of us are just looking for anywhere that will sell toilet paper. What are you looking for? Is it the right thing? Perhaps some of us now, maybe we're looking for a promotion. Maybe we're just looking for a job. Maybe you're looking for a spouse, some relationship. Maybe you want some, some meaning, some direction in life. Or you want joy, you know, you want to know that peace that so many people seem to have. Maybe you just want answers to life's difficult questions. These are good things to search for, but... Is it the right thing? Last week at Oak Hall, in our evening service, we finished our series in Ecclesiastes. It's a book that shows us one man's search for meaning in life. He looked everywhere. He looked in pleasure. He looked in wealth. He looked in experiences and relationships. But he's found, he finds that all these things that he's looking for, they're all meaningless. 
empty. So what is the right thing that we should be searching for? Well, the angels, they, they give us an answer in our passage. But before we look at it, not only were these women not looking for the right thing, they were, they were looking in the wrong place. Why do you look for the living among the dead? See, the angels were trying to tell Mary that Jesus was alive. Living people, they don't hang out in graveyards. They're in the wrong place. You see, this very same day, this Easter Sunday, Jesus, a very much alive Jesus, will meet Peter in the flesh. He will meet Mary. He will meet Cleopas and another of his friends. They will meet nine more disciples later on in the evening. Jesus is not in a grave. He's not even in a graveyard. He's out with his people. He's with the living. And yet these women in our story, they're looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place. Do we do that? Do we look for for God in the wrong place? So sad. I think cemeteries around the world are full of people who, who tried to be good. They tried to find God by doing things for him, by being a good person, hoping that God would reward them for all their efforts. We saw in last week's passage in, in Luke with, with John, he was telling us that finding Jesus that has nothing to do with before this criminal died. He cried out to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was a simple request. But it was a cry of faith. Earlier, he had seen what a wretched criminal he was. And he compared himself to Jesus. And he saw that this man, Jesus, had done no wrong. Luke shows us his repentant heart. The criminal realized he was getting what his deeds deserved. He doesn't deserve paradise. He deserves the cross that he's hanging on. But Jesus looked at him, saw his faith. And he says to him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. And so we, we cannot try to find God in our good deeds, hoping for rewards for our acts of kindness, for our generosity, for our volunteering for the NHS. This is to look for God in the wrong place. Where else do we look for God today? In prosperity, the prosperity gospel is rampant, promising all of heaven's blessings now, before the king returns to make all things new. And so we look for God in, in comfort, in deliverance from, from all our suffering. We, we get upset when he doesn't fix it all right away, just how we want him to in, in my timing. Maybe we look for God in a religion that, that fixes all my problems right now, just the way I like him to. Or maybe he, or maybe we find him in a religion that lets me live how I please, do the things I want to do, be the person I want to be. We try to find God in a, in a religion that doesn't make demands of us, but lets me be who I am and enjoy my secret sins, my vices. Sometimes we just look for God in experiences. You know, for that special feeling, that emotional high, that, that transcendent place where we experience God's presence in a very powerful way. And 
Well, they're great times. But what do you do when you find yourself in a desert? Do you look for God there in the plague during a pandemic? When the world is not as it should be? Where are we looking for God? Why do you look for God among the dead? That's what these angels say. Why do you look for the living among the dead? How often we try to find him in the wrong places. And so these women, they were looking in the wrong, for the wrong thing and in the wrong place. But what is the right thing then? Where should they, where should they have been looking? Well, look at verses 6 to 8 in our passage. It says, the angels say to them, he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Remember. Twice we're told that word, remember. But, but what, what should we remember? Don't look for a corpse. Look for the Son of Man. What does that mean? Well, the Son of Man, it's a phrase that takes us back to the book of Daniel. Uh, a prophet who spoke years and years, centuries before Jesus. And he had a great dream, a great vision of God, of the Lord Jesus. And in chapter 7 of Daniel, verse 13, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men and women of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the Son of Man. This is who the women should have been searching for. Don't look for a corpse, they say. Look for a king. That's the right thing to look for. Look for the king who, according to Daniel, has been given all authority, all power and glory. A king who every nation will worship. And where do you look for this king? We look for him, among, for him among the living. He is a king whose dominion is everlasting. It will not pass away. It will never be destroyed. The women, they were told to remember. Remember the Son of Man. And they were told to remember Jesus' words. The angels say, remember how he told you. And what did Jesus say? Where? We, do, we, do we look for the Son of Man? We, we look in his word, in the Bible. In this book that tells us what the resurrection means and, and how it impacts you and, and me. Our passage today is an interesting story. It's fascinating. It tells us this historical event on an early Sunday morning when these women woke up early to give Jesus a proper burial. But, but what does it mean? What does the fact that Jesus is alive mean for, for you and me today? Well, it means that, that the thing that the world is, is counting right now, every day, 
They're publishing it on, on countless websites and telling us every day how many more there are. How many people are dying? How many people are discovering that they really do fear death? Well, it's been beaten. The grave is not the end. But death is only the doorway to eternal life. In my work, I work for an organisation called ICMDA. And we support Christian doctors all around the world. And over the last few weeks, we've heard so many stories from these Christian doctors telling us about their colleagues, about the fear that there is among them. Healthcare workers are, are afraid like they've never been before. Now, they're used to disease and, and dying, but coronavirus, for some reason, it, it showed people mortality in ways that previously illnesses and plagues haven't done in the past. It's really difficult for hospital workers when they don't have well, the right PPE protection and equipment. There are wards right now where there, where there isn't enough to go around. There are not enough ventilators for those who need them. And that's here in the wealthy West, where we're used to having access to everything. And so people are fearing for their lives, especially often those on the front lines. We worry about pain. We worry about suffering, about dying in an overcrowded hospital ward without a ventilator. But do you know what the resurrection means? Well, it brings hope to this. To this very situation we're living in today. You see, Jesus, he has faced the worst that the world has to offer. And he's overcome it. Death and suffering have been defeated. That's what the resurrection means. That there is a glorious future for all those who trust in Jesus. We also, we worry about justice. Don't we? I don't know how many of us like to see the guilty get away with their crimes. I hate it when that happens. When you see people unpunished and getting away with things. It makes me angry when, when I hear about corruption or unfairness. We're upset, aren't we, when, when the rich get richer and the poor are taken advantage of. But resurrection, well, it brings an answer to all this too. What does the resurrection, what does the resurrection mean? Well, not only that death is not the end, there's this offer of eternal life. You know, a life that is free from pain and suffering and a life where there is real justice, where every wrong will be dealt with finally and fairly. The resurrection too, it is a sign, it's the ultimate sign. It is a vindication of Jesus' perfect life that he lived on earth. He never sinned, as the criminal said, hanging on the cross. And so his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, is, is a sign. It's God's approval of his son's sacrificial death in our place. See, Jesus, he rose again, assuring us that everyone who puts their trust in him, they have their sins forgiven. And true justice is done. All our wrong is dealt with in Christ. Our sins are forgiven and we have the promise of eternal life. And all the blessings just mentioned. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, we're told that Jesus, 
He is the first fruits among the dead. It says he's the first, which implies that there are more. There are others coming after him. Death, you see, it's real. And we, we know that so well right now. But there are there is a multitude of those who trust in Christ who will one day be ri- rise again with him to live forever. Now you see that there are only two possible destinations that we all face after death. We will either have an eternal communion with the Son of Man, living with him, the King of the universe in a restored world, or we will have eternal separation, cut off from all that is good. That's what the Bible calls hell. But the resurrection, it means that Jesus has defeated the power of hell. And he invites anyone who trusts in him to enjoy an eternity in a brand new world, without disease or death. Now I'm certain that the resurrection happened. I'm certain that God is good for his word. And when he says that by trusting him, by putting your faith in him, by calling him the king of your life, then you can have all the blessings of being with God in a right right relationship with him right now, but also in the life to come. Are you certain about the resurrection? When the woman heard the angel's word that this resurrection plan that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day rise again. What what did they do when they heard this word? Well, look at verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. You see, they couldn't help but speak about what they had seen and heard. That's our verse for the year. They couldn't help speak about these things. And, And surely that should be our response too. Here at Oak Hall Church, we are convinced that the message that the angels brought is true. Jesus, he really did rise from the dead. And so death has been defeated. There's no more fear. There's no more uncertainty about what happens beyond the grave. And So I want to ask you this morning, as you're watching this, do you know what will happen to you? Do you know what will happen to you when you... Get beyond the grave. Do you have that assurance and that peace in your soul that you are right with your maker? You can know that peace even today. Next Sunday, it's Easter Sunday. It's the day when we celebrate all that this passage tells us. It's probably the high point in the calendar for the church. And this week, as we build up to that day, as we're locked away in our homes, longing to be free, make sure that you're looking for the right thing in the right place. You see, the Son of Man, the King of the universe, he he is very much alive. And he's coming back soon to restore this world as it should be, to call those who are his to himself and to bring judgment. But there is hope.
Jesus is alive and this passage shows us how the resurrection brings hope for all of us. Let me finish now just with a small encouragement about how we can live our lives as Christians in, in light of the resurrection. See, another person saw Jesus alive after he had risen from the dead. There's a man that we know is Paul. And he would write a letter to the church later on where he says this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. That's in Philippians, written by Paul. This man, Paul, he wanted to know the power of the resurrection. Not just in the future, you know, in in eternity, but right now. Even through his sufferings, he wants to know that power of God. And while we hear about a lot of suffering in the world right now, like I said earlier, I'm in contact with a lot of doctors all around the world with my work. And hearing about their stories on the front line is hard. But there's a Christian doctor who I read about just last week who's working in, in the midst of this pandemic with stretched resources. And because of his trust in God, this is what he said. Let me just read it to you. He says, God is present. God cares. God provides. And the Lord is heartbroken that his people suffer. But with that foundation, I discharge my duty without fear nor reservation. Moreover, I sense that it is precisely at such a time as this that a Christ follower like me must speak words of hope and life to those who despair. Therefore, those of us who know him must share his heartbeat and desire to rescue and redeem. I'd love to have a doctor like that looking after me at this time, if I needed it. This man's name is Dr. Tan Po Kiang. And you can see that he's living his life in light of the resurrection. See, he and and many others like him, they give their lives to serve the one who's conquered death. As a Christian, we have no need to fear death. We are free to serve. We're free to give. We're free to lay down our lives for the gospel. Because Jesus is alive. The resurrection has happened. And therefore we can, we can speak about what we have seen and heard to all those that we meet. See, the resurrection is the ultimate world-changing event. It's life-changing, literally. Will you also come to see and know the power of that resurrection for yourself? I'm just finished now in the... The sun is almost up. The sky is so much lighter than it was when I started. I was hoping for a nice sunrise this morning. Instead, it's just a a cloudy white day. But as you enjoy the rest of your day, look to the Lord Jesus for hope in all that you're doing. He is alive. He's conquered death. And he is the king. Trust him today.